Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, here with Scott Strickland, Athletic Director at the University of Florida. This is part of the Sports Business Insights from Gator Nation series uh, with the University of Florida Sports Management Program and excited to talk to Scott today about not only his career path, um, the, the lessons he's learned along the way, but also kind of you know, UF athletics as a whole and, and what what's going on uh, in Gator Nation in Gainesville. And um, Scott's got plenty of experience to talk on. So Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate you having me. Good to be here. Absolutely. So let's let's start off with you've been to Mississippi State, Auburn, Tulane, Baylor, Kentucky, now Florida, um, you know, quite a few stops along the way. You, you've spent your career in college athletics, but what's the biggest uh, difference and the biggest insight from being at six different schools and kind of how are they all unique? Well, that, I, th- I think that that's the key word. They all, you know, there's a lot of similarities. You're, you know, you're around sports and in, in the case of four of those schools, uh, they're, they're in the same league in the SEC. And actually Tulane was a charter member of the SEC. So five of them were at one point in SEC school, but um they, they have a uniqueness, you know, they all have their own uh, certain qualities, uh, certain strengths uh, and, uh, and unique challenges that, um, that they, that they have to, to work through. And, and what you find is uh, there's no cookie cutter approach. There's, you know, every place is unique and, and really every sport within every school is unique. You know, um, football at Auburn is different than football at Tulane. And basketball at Baylor is different than basketball at Kentucky. And, and you know, you can go down the list. So, um, you know, you kind of learn that, that uh, you know, it's not one size fits all. You have to have a unique approach. You have to be willing to, to you know, search for what works and why at a certain place. And the why is, is probably more important than the what. The what's usually pretty obvious. The why is is often the key you know why does uh you know why does basketball work the way it does at kentucky or you know why is are the gators able to have such consistent success across a broad spectrum of sports um you know why is mississippi state uh, baseball important mississippi state and so um and, and then why are certain why do certain sports struggle and what can be done you know what are some things you can do to enhance that so it's uh it's really beneficial i've worked at um uh, you know, mainly public schools, but uh, in Tulane and Baylor I had a couple of private schools, uh, one relatively large for a private school, that being Baylor, one kind of mod- moderately sized in Tulane. Um, and, uh, you know, then the, the big public schools where everything's, uh, you know, out in the open and, and you know, it's, it's just a different responsibility, a different platform. And so that's, that's been helpful and, and interesting. And, um, I'm really thankful and grateful that I've, that I've had the, the varied experiences that I've had. I had a friend um, tell me a long time ago that his father used to say that there's a difference between having 20 years of experience and having the same experience for 20 years. And so as I've moved around, I've kind of uh, reflected on that comment because I do think that, uh, um, you know, the being in various places has, has been a huge benefit for me personally. 
No, that's, that's incredible. I think, you know, your path coming through the media relations side is unique to even one of like our co-hosts and Fred Clare, who came, became a general manager of a, you know, Los Angeles Dodgers, but through media relations. And you don't see too many athletic directors with that background right now. Nowadays, it's a little bit more on the fundraising side and um, coming through that route. What is it about media relations that kind of helped you get to where you are? And what is something that others that are maybe going through the fundraising path uh, could learn from your media relations experience? Well, I think any, any experience in athletics um, prepares you. And, and going back to what I said about being at, at different places, having different experiences within athletics, um, different jobs and different responsibilities is also incredibly valuable. But um, you know, the communication piece, um, you know, when I was, I was, uh, when I transitioned out communications into, uh, I was going into a more administrative role, but had some fundraising responsibility when I left Kentucky and went back to Mississippi State in, in the late uh, 2000, in 2008, um, you know, I, I, I was uh, kind of uh, reflecting on certain things you have to do in communications, you have to build relationships, you have to craft a message, you have to uh, sometimes have difficult conversations. Uh, those are the same things you do in fundraising, right? You know, you develop relationships, you craft key messages, and you have difficult conversations. And the difficult conversations in communications may be going in and telling a high profile coach, uh, you know, you're going to get asked this and, and you know, you, we need to come up with a good answer or, um, you know, uh, have to have to confront someone, a uh, media person about something they wrote that that wasn't accurate and, and it may not be a pleasant conversation. In the fundraising world, you may be asking somebody to part with their money, which is not um, necessarily an easy thing to do the first few times you do it. So uh, there, there's some, my point there is that there's some, there's some traits and some similarities that go together, uh, regardless of what it is. So much of this, of, of really any enterprise, but I call it, uh, but athletics in particular is relationship based. You know, the, it's you're, you're building teams, you're supporting those teams. Um, those teams are made up of people. Uh, you want those people to achieve at a high level. And to do that, the relationship becomes really important. And so, um, you know, when I was in communications, uh, the relationship piece was something that, that, I enjoyed and, and uh, whether it was, uh, you know, you had to have a relationship internally with the people on your staff, the athletic director or the coaches or the athletes, and then you had to have it externally with the media people. And, and a lot of times um, in an environment where there's a lot of media coverage and there invariably are leaks and rumors, the, the communication people are the first ones that get pointed to as, as potential uh, sources of, of the leaks. And so the ability to build integrity and, and uh, trust with both uh, internal and external constituents is really important. And then you extrapolate that out to other leadership positions, um, you, you know, that, that, that continues to serve you well, that ability to, um, you know, to, be, to disagree without being disagreeable, to you know, have those difficult conversations without losing trust or confidence in people. And, and you do that because you're able to build those relationships. So to me, that's the part of, of uh, communications that's been really helpful. The other part is, um, you know, when, when you're in athletic director position at, at a major state institution, especially one of the SEC, um, the, the public relations piece of your job is really important. 
and obviously uh, having a background in communications can come in very handy where that's concerned. And, um, you know, there's another part of this, and I tell this to, to uh, people who are in the communication profession and they feel stuck and, and they're frustrated that they won't have an opportunity to get out and do anything else in athletics. Um, you know, they, they have, I believe, the communication staff, and there are others in the department, but they are one of the, one of the groups in an athletic department that really has a bird's eye view of what is going on. And, you know, they, uh, yes, they know what's happening um, administratively and, you know, with the, what's going on in the department, but they're also oftentimes integrated into a team and they know what the coaches are going through. They know what the athletes are going through. Uh, they're riding buses late at night. Um, they're, they're making the road trips, uh, staying in the hotels and, uh, you know, development people work incredibly hard also, but they're not, ingrained in a program in the same way. And so I, I have felt during my time and in, in a senior level position um, that that has helped me kind of understand where coaches are coming from maybe differently than someone who had never ridden the bus or, or you know, been on long road trips with the, with the team and, and been in a day-to-day -day environment with teams. Yeah, beautifully put. I mean, I think the two things there, right? Crafting your story, however you need to craft your story from a transferable traits and skills perspective, no matter what, you know, part of the career path you're going through. And then also to your point, you know, being able to kind of see through a bunch of different lenses and perspectives, right. To understand uh, where other people sit in their shoes, I think is incredibly important as you kind of embark upon your career journey. And regardless of where you are, you know, you mentioned the teams and coaches and, and kind of how the programs, you know, tick per se, right what's the biggest challenge in hiring those head coaches when, it, when a vacancy does come open um, to make sure that you are kind of setting that foundation for, you know, foreseeable future in that sport within your department? Well, that so much of that is about finding fit. Uh, and really that's not just finding uh, head coaches. That's anytime you bring anyone into your organization, are they the right fit? Um, I, uh, I read a Greg Popovich quote one time, um, you know, obviously the Spurs are, are known for uh, having a great culture within their organization. And, and he was asked what kind of people they look for. And, um, his response is, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, but basically you, you want someone who's gotten over themselves. And I, I think that's just so beautifully put, you know, someone who doesn't, who takes what they do seriously, but doesn't take themselves too seriously in the process. And they can, you know, they can laugh at themselves. Uh, their ego is in check. Uh, they, uh, you know, they understand the broader mission and they, you know, they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They don't want it all to be about them. Um, and so, I, you know, that, it goes back to fit. And um, that's not always easy to identify during a search process, especially a high profile one where, you know, um, you're worried about doing it in a, uh, in a discreet manner. Um, but that, that's, that's, to me, that's the, the biggest challenge is can you find someone who comes in and fits your organization and, and fits, um, is the right kind of person with the right kind of values and character um, because you're, you're hoping to make a decision that's going to be long-term, right? You want to get, you, you know, to be long-term, you have to win and you, you have to do all the things that uh, the, the fans care about. But, um, you know, for it to really be a, a healthy relationship long-term, that fit is critically important. Does the school that you're at matter in terms of whether you're an alma mater or you played in that conference or, you know, the background of coaching experience? I think 
it's certainly again you're you're looking at the resume as a as a blank slate you know kind of with everyone but as you've been at different stops and you've interacted with different coaches do certain ones work better in certain certain areas certain places you know jake i i really don't i really don't think uh they do you know you're talking about labels really you know uh are they uh are they an alum have they coached in the league have they coached a certain level? Are they a sitting head coach? Are they assistant coach? Are they an offensive coach? Are they a defensive coach? I mean, those are labels that we all put on uh, candidates. And um, the fans really quickly, you know, identify with those labels because they can kind of uh, envision the kind of coach they think they want. But um, to me, when you start limiting yourself via those labels, you're eliminating um, – a part of your candidate pool that that potentially could be really valuable and and could end up being really really good and if you really start to study it and look at the landscape uh at various sports um there's a lot of really successful coaches who were sitting head coaches somewhere else and they fit all the all the boxes that the that would make them popular choices but there's just as many successful coaches who don't fit any of those don't check any of those boxes and they were assistants or they'd never been heard of and and uh, they end up being really successful. So there obviously is something beyond the superficial external that makes a coach successful. And um, to me, that's why, you know, you got to go into what kind of leader they are, how do they hold people accountable, um, what kind of fit they are, what's their value system, um, you know, intelligence, emotional intelligence. There's a lot of things that go into being a successful head coach that uh, is, is, is probably more impactful in the decision-making process than, than what kind of uh, background they have from a superficial standpoint. No, that's a great insight and certainly another big challenge, right? But, you know, as you think about uh, ego and you mentioned ego in check with Greg Popovich, uh, your ego's in check. I know, I know it is, um, but you were Sports Business Journal's AD of the Year in 2020. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about what that means to you in terms of the people around you that support you? Um, that that make the wheel go round in the athletic department and um, you know the success that you guys have had over the last few years well well on a personal level you know 2020 was such a bizarre year and that probably nothing illustrates it more than that award because uh, I you know I don't know how you make that I don't know how you choose that there's so many uh, talented people in our profession that were that were more deserving um, but to the extent that uh, it is a it shows respect for the University of Florida and our staff. Um, that's you know that's the only way that we're able to have the success we we do is we have an incredible staff. Um, I get to work with uh, so many talented people who are the very best at what they do, and they're uh, you, you talk about culture. They understand you know they wake up every day trying to figure out how to make the Gators better and how to support our athletes and our coaches and uh, engage our fans in a way that makes them really proud, makes Gator Nation really proud. And, and you know, that uh, it's, it's hard to fail when you're in a situation where you're working around so many uh, good, talented people and, and you, you know, who you enjoy being with. And, you know, there's none of the, uh, we have a remarkable department. There's none of the, uh, there's no infighting. There's no uh, intrigue you know, behind the scenes, there's no rumor uh, gossiping about what's going on in the business in the, in the, you know, in the office setting. It's, it is uh, a group of people 
we have over 300 staff, but it's a group of people that genuinely feel blessed to be at the University of Florida, who uh, genuinely want to see our student athletes succeed and do everything they can to support them. And that makes it a fun environment to work. And so um, when, when you see awards like that, that's somebody recognizing this is a place that, that does things the right way. And, and you know, my name just happens to be, uh, you know, at the, at the uh, top of the letterhead, but um, that is, uh, it's really a credit to, to the University of Florida. You mentioned culture, and, and that's a big component of everything, as you just mentioned. But coming into a culture that already exists, how do you make sure that you don't mess that culture up, as, especially if it's a good one, but also kind of put your fingerprints on how you want the culture to be as well? There's kind of a tricky, I mean, you did that at Mississippi State and at Florida. So how do, how do you go about that process? Well, the, the, you said the two things that were really key, you know, uh, don't mess it up. And, and, uh, and, you know, the ability to put your own imprint on it. That second part is way less important than the first part. The, the don't mess it up part is really the most important part. And, and really to do that is the way to do that. I found is, is you, you listen, you learn, and um, you're going to come in with ideas and you're going to ask questions. Any, any new leader in the environment, especially one that's successful is going to do that. But um you know, I think it's really important to, to trust the people who have been there, who have been a part of the success. Uh, you know, um, I was at Mississippi State when I became AD. And so I was, and, and obviously I'd gone to school there and I, I kind of understood that culture um, much better than I did Florida when I, when I first came here. Um, at Mississippi State, it was, you know, I kind of, uh, I had an idea of what was possible and, and what were some areas that, that we need to focus on and I knew the personnel. So that was a little different situation. Um, whereas coming to Florida, uh, it, was, it was learning. I was following a true legend in Jeremy Foley, uh, who you know, I think is the best athletic director in the history of the SEC. And um, you know, I, I, I wasn't replacing Jeremy. I was, I was you know, trying to build off of what he had left. And he had left a remarkable department that we still benefit from today with a great group of coaches and staff that I've mentioned. And so um, a lot of that is, is, you know, learning what, you know, why is this so good? And, you know, if there are areas we can, we can shore up or uh, improve upon, you know, identify them, but, but, you know, not uh, you, Florida kind of the success that, that this place has allows you to kind of be a little more deliberate with going about the evaluation process. And I think over time, um, you know, the imprint piece happens naturally, you know, when, when the longer you're at a place, the longer a leader is, is in, in a culture, um, you know, there's a symbiotic relationship that occurs where his personality or his or her personality and, and the person and the culture of the place kind of uh, intertwine. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's happened in Florida, but I, I didn't come to Florida to fix Florida by any means. It was doing really well. I, I came here not to mess it up and, and uh, it's, it's been a real pleasure and a lot of fun to, to be a part of the Gators. It's a good, it's a good problem to have when you're just trying not to mess it up. So uh, it's, you know, I, I think, um, you know, obviously the career that you've built, you, you have that ability to come in and, and, you know, listen and learn and, and engage uh, in, in the right way. As you think about all of the things that you have accomplished um, to this point, and, and certainly there's many, many more for you to do so, but when you think about legacy and the word legacy, um, 
what does that mean to you? And what do you ultimately want your legacy to be? You know, we talked about labels with coaches and yes, you're the athletic director, but that's another label, right? So what, what do you want your legacy to be when people um, think about what you've been able to accomplish? Well, you know, I, I uh, and, and this is not false humility. I really believe this, you know, uh, championships are won by, by players and coaches. Um, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll get introduced uh, sometime and some, you know, someone will be reading a bio and when they introduce me and they'll, they'll, they'll mention how many, what they're doing is they're reading off how many championships the Gators have won since I've been here. But really, but what they say is Scott, you know, Scott's won so many champ- national championships as the Gator AD. And, and, you know, that's, that's just inaccurate. I've, I've not won any, but I've been fortunate, fortunate enough to be here while the Gators have won some. And that's so much fun. Uh, but really, that, that's where the focus needs to be. The focus needs to be on those athletes and those coaches and, and the staff that support them. And, um, you know, that, that's when it comes to how I, how I want people to think of me, I want them to think of, of uh, you know, someone who, who was about the right thing, who treated people the right way and, and was kind and, and um, uh, you know, treated people well. That's, that's, that's you know, I, I want good father, good husband, good person, right? Um, someone that, that embodied a, a godly life. That's what I want people to think of with me. It's, it really has nothing to do with uh, wins and losses. Um, that's going to take care of itself. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, I know I sound like a broken record or cliche, but it, it, it really is about uh, how we support our coaches and our athletes. Because if, um, if they're having success um, as an administrator, you can, you can take some pride and satisfaction in that. Um, but you know, you also understand that, uh, your role in that success, um, happened, happened a long time ago and didn't involve near as much sweat or time or effort or energy as, uh, the coaches and the athletes who are out there, uh, achieving those goals. And, and, um, you know, as a competitor, sometimes that's really hard because you're, you know, I'm sitting up in the stands with everyone else. And, you know, I want, I want to impact the outcome like the fans do. And, and fortunately that, unfortunately at that point, the only thing I can do is yell and scream like the fans are doing. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so incredible when you, whenever you're in an environment where uh, you, you have a team that achieves at a high, high level and you see those young people and, and you develop the relationships with those young people or with the coaches. And to me, that's, that's what's really uh, rewarding. You mentioned being a father, so we'll, this kind of be our last question as we wrap up uh, before we go to some rapid fires. What's the hardest part of being a dad sitting in the AD seat? Um, uh, I always tell the story. This was before I was an AD, but uh, you know, I, I have two daughters. One's a sophomore in college. One's a high school junior, and they've grown up around athletics, and and they've they've had a uh, uh, you know. A, credential around their neck for every game they've been to I think their whole life and and so you know trying to hammer into them that that is not real life um is is sometimes challenging I, my, my oldest when she was probably you know five or six we were we were living in Lexington and, and uh, they have a, a single a uh baseball team there or they did when we lived there and uh, we got invited to to go uh, sit and they had some boxes uh, so we got invited to go sit in a box and uh, you know you show up and get the ticket they put the little wristband on you and, and you go up and the next year we got invited by some friends just to go sit in the stands 
and my daughter didn't know. We, she just knew we were going back to the ballpark. And, and we show up and we hand the person our ticket and she sticks her wrist out, like waiting for the wristband to be put on. <laughs> Because every game she's gone to, that's what happens, right? Because she's she's had yeah. some nice access. And so, you know, as her parents, we're kind of embarrassingly, embarrassingly, you know, pulling her hand down. Like, no, we don't do that. We're not doing that today. But that's kind of a, a microcosm of, you know, our you know, kids who grow up in these kind of uh, households. They, they've got, you know, pretty good parking and pretty good access and to games. Um, and one day that's going to stop. You know, one day I'm going to hang it up and, uh, hopefully they'll be grown with with their kids of their own at that time. But but that that uh, that's a really fun part, and we've gotten to experience a lot of fun things as a family through that. And we we you know they whether it's uh, I don't get to sit with them at football games, but a lot of other events I do get to to hang out with them, and they've been on you know bowl trips and 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 you know other things like that. That's a lot of fun, um, and really the fact that I can do so many of those things with them and have them with me is, uh, makes it really special because there's a lot of great memories of, you know, uh, took my oldest daughter to the college bowl series in Omaha a couple of years ago. And we've got great memories of that or going to bowl games or whatever it may be, um, celebrating after big wins together. Uh, that's, that's been a part of our family. And, and, uh, you know, it, it, uh, I think it's, I think my kids have seen the really good part of athletics and they've seen the, the challenges. They know when we lose a game that, you know, I may not be in a great mood. And, um, and so they, 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 they see both parts of that and, and they understand that, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is, while it's fun, this is also, you know, my, my chosen uh, vocation. And um, there's, you know, there's a respect there about what we do. No, absolutely. That's uh, that'll be an interesting one to see how that progresses. I'm sure, you know, uh, they'll. I'm sure they'll get plenty of invites to other games and and you know maybe even better seats. You never know, right? Like that's right. They if you know a lot of it depends on how they do in life, right? Or that's what they, right. What they that's right. Do. Absolutely. There's access for anybody there. And, and I'm sure you have plenty more stories in that realm. But um, let's wrap up with some rapid fire, Scott. So. Obviously, we mentioned kind of the six schools you had been at. If you had to be in a mascot suit in any one of those, which one is it going to be? You know, I I, uh, I really uh, I like Albert. Um, you know, uh, the Gator mascot. I, I I've always liked Albert, even you know when I was uh, at other SEC schools. Albert was uh, he's fun, he's different, he's unique. Uh, I'll be honest, my wife has always been a fan of Albie, Auburn's mascot. He, he's a little creepy to me, to be honest. Um, but uh, I, 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 you know, I like Albert. When I was at Tulane, we really didn't have a mascot. So that was a hard one to, to, to do. And, and the Baylor one kept changing. But um, Albert, to me, is the, most, is the most unique and distinctive. And he's been in a sports center commercial. So that's pretty cool, too. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm sure we won't see you in that suit, but – by the slight chance, maybe at the end of your career, perhaps. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, you came through the media relations side, as we mentioned. Do you have a favorite play-by-play announcer? Wow, that's a. Uh, I've, I've, <laughs> you know, when you're in that role, some of your uh, some of your closest friends become uh, the play-by-play guys. In fact, uh, two two guys that I was I was incredibly close to at Auburn was uh, Andy Burcham and Rod Bramlett. And uh, Rod, of course, passed away in a car accident a couple of years ago. But even before, you know, Rod was 
the voice of the Tigers. But when I was there, he was the, the baseball play-by-play guy and Andy was the women's basketball play-by-play guy. And I traveled with both those teams. And then we ended up traveling together, all three of us in baseball and created great memories. And, uh, and Andy's now followed Rod as voice of the Tigers. And so those, those are, you know, on a personal level, those are two guys that I've, I've really tight with. Um, you know, Mississippi State, we had a guy named Jack Crystal who was legendary and, uh, you know, called games for 50 years and, and was just, um, he was iconic for that school. Um, you know, we have a guy here in Florida in Mick Hubert who has kind of reached that status as well. He's done it over 30 years and, and uh, has a really identifiable call and voice and, and does, is, a, is a pro's pro. It's just the best of the best. Um, but this is not someone I work with, but, but probably the, uh, the two I enjoy the most. One was a guy named Kaywood Ledford who did uh, Kentucky play-by-play for years. And his ability to call a basketball game, and I, don't re- I never got to hear him do a lot, but I've heard a lot of clips. He would, uh, he would do something that I think all play-by- really good play-by-play guys can do. He would economize his words yet create a really vivid picture. And by that, I would mean he, would, he, he didn't have to say a lot for you to have a really clear picture painted. And he would do it in a very conversational way. If you ever get a chance to go on YouTube and listen to Kaywood Ledford call basketball games. And basketball is not an easy call uh, sport to describe because of the flow. Uh, he was remarkable. Uh, but my personal favorite, because I grew up a Cincinnati Reds fan, is Marty Brenneman. And he also had that ability in a baseball game. And, and Marty was a really good basketball broadcaster, too. But in a baseball game, he had the amazing ability in a very conversational way to uh, – to, to tell you what was happening without over-talking. And, um, and he had a great voice. And anyway, so that's way too much on broadcasters for rapid fire, but uh, those, that, that's a fun topic to talk about. Yeah, I think we could just do a whole nother episode on that. But, um, you know, you talk about communication, right? You, you've got three apps on your phone. The rest you got to get rid of. What are wow. they? Wow. Well, I'm on Twitter a lot, so I'd have to keep Twitter. I'd have to keep my, my, is my texting app have to be one of, do I have, is it natural or do I have to choose my yeah. texting app? Yeah. I, I text a lot. Text. I mean, email, obviously you could get on your, I could, I could do without email. I text more than I email. Uh, so I'd say uh, if, if, if my texting app doesn't count, I'm going to say, I'm going to say my, uh, my Twitter. Uh, I like keeping up with the stock market just because that's kind of fascinating. It's a daily scoreboard in somebody else's world. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I uh, you know, one of the, the stock apps and, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I, I have that note. Uh, uh, we all have that notes app on our phone from Apple and I end up, uh, I've taken so many notes through the years. That's how I figure out what I, you know, I don't have a diary. I just, I, I look up and search in notes, a name and that pops up what I'm, what I'm looking for to jog my memory. So those would probably be the, th- the others, but you know, um, you know, I go to church. I don't take a Bible because my Bible's on the phone. So it's amazing how many different things that you don't have to lug around anymore. I'll read books on my phone or my iPad. Um, so I don't have to carry around books anymore. So um, three is a tough one to limit. I, mean, I could, can I at least fill up the homepage. I, I was going to say, yeah. I, I might have to just give you the homepage next time and uh, we'll, we'll go with that. You know, one, one slide um, is what you can have, but it's always an interesting question, right? It's uh just these days, like everything is literally in that handheld device. And it's, it's to your point, it's a walking notepad, right? You're kind of just constantly doing something. 
Um, last one for you. There's a Hall of Famer in the family of some sort uh, connected to your wife. Who's the better athlete? Between me and my wife? Yep. Oh, no question. My wife. Um, her father uh, was a was a All-American basketball player at Mississippi State. In fact, the, the, the road that the basketball arena there in Starkville is on is named after him and uh, Bailey Howell. And he went on to play 13 years in the NBA, won two championships with the Celtics, and he's in the Naismith Hall of Fame. Great man. He's a better person. He was a great player, but he's a better person than he was a player. But she um, – uh, she, she still plays tennis, played college tennis and her, uh, you know, I, I go out and I swing a golf club and no two swings are alike. And she has the amazing ability to repeat emotion. And you can sit here and, and tell her, Hey, do it this way. And there's, there's, you know, the next swing looks just like you told her to, to swing it. I mean, she, and she can, she can, uh, the muscle memory part of that is something that, that I don't have because I, every no two basketball shots look alike for me and no two swings look alike. I can't repeat muscle memory. So that right there makes her a better athlete. Um, but, uh, you know, so fortunately I, uh, I was able to marry into a little athleticism uh, to make up for what I couldn't bring to the table. Well, I'll cut you a little slack. Every golf shot, a little bit different just because you're picking a different club, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> well, that's true. Thank you. The same one. I mean, that that's that's your own problem at that point. Yeah. Um, but that repeatable motion, the consistency of the repeatable motion is not my is, is a challenge for me. So if anyone could ever uh, shore that up, I would I would pay a lot of money. Do you do you have a sport you wish you could play like golf? Maybe? Okay. Golf for sure. I mean, I play it, but you know, if I could, if I could pick one sport to be, to excel in, there's no question it'd be golf. Um, you know, what a fun sport The you know, I'm not a good golfer. And every time I'm, I'm out on the course, there's a moment where you're waiting for someone to putt out or, or you're waiting for someone to hit a tee shot and you look around and, and you know, you're in these beautiful environments and, and oftentimes the weather's nice. And I, you know, that, that's a, that's a heck of a sport. It's a lot of fun. Um, that would, you know, plus you can play well and, you know, you can play your whole life. It's a great sport. Right. That's right. I, I, I think alike in that same, same vein. So, um, Scott, really appreciate your, your insights, your advice, your perspectives. Um, really enjoyed the time on uh, life in the front office today with, uh, sports business insights from Gator nation. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jake. I appreciate your time and go Gators. <laughs>